For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriots Report. I'm Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. We welcome in Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts and the NFL for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at ZKiefer, that's Z-K-E-E-F-E-R. Zach, let's get right into it. This game looks like a matchup between two really similar teams. They both love to run the ball behind two classic offensive lines. What do we think? The over-under on total passes combined, maybe 15 or 20. This game should be over in like two hours, right? I don't think we're going to be that lucky, but this is, this is an awesome game. And, and just from the Colts perspective, I think it's the biggest home game they've had in five years. And the Patriots fans might remember this one. It was the, it was the fake punt game. I know the Colts can block that from her memory, but this might be the biggest game since that 2015 season when in the Patriots won again. But look, I know around here, Everyone's tired of losing to the Patriots. It's, it's been eight consecutive games, two in the playoffs. It's been 12 years since the Colts beat their former rivals. I don't even call them rivals anymore because the Patriots have owned this series so um, decisively. But um, it, it's going to be some late we have on the entire calendar this year because you've got Belichick's defense, which is just so good at every level. They're first in the league in points allowed. And you've got the hottest offense in the league in Frank Reich and, and, the, and one of the best running backs in the league in Jonathan Taylor. There's so many great storylines going into this one. Has this Colts team lived up to the expectations so far this season? Is 7-6 and six about where people thought they would be heading into the second half of December? No, they should be 9-4. and four. And I don't even I, – I can say that objectively. They blew a 19-point fourth-quarter lead to Baltimore because their kicker got a hip injury and missed an extra point. And, and without that, they win that game. And and not, I'm not excusing blame. They collapsed and they deserved it. Um, and, and they blew fourth quarter leads to the Rams in week two and to the Titans at, at Halloween as well. And that's sort of been the story of their season. They started 0-3 because the offensive line was a mess and Carson Wentz was hurt. And since that day, they have gone 10 consecutive games in which they've led by 10 or more points. That's really hard to do. They've, they've gone seven and three in that stretch, but they've really shown what they can do. They hung with the Bucks a couple of weeks ago and, and really should have won that game. They were up 10 early um, and, and Brady came back and won it at the end, but they can play with anybody. They can, they can hang with anybody for three quarters. Finishing them has been a different story. I think this team should be nine and four. And if they were, this game would be really to decide the one seat at this point but the Colts have choked away some games they should have won, and that's why they're fighting for a wild card spot. So much of the Colts' offensive success, it's clear to this point in the season, is based around Jonathan Taylor. I have a couple of specific questions about him. I know that at the end of the year last year, he had a few big moments down the stretch, but there, what at what point was it clear to you guys that cover the team that he had a chance to be something special? Was it a game? Was it a practice? When was the moment that everything just sort of appeared to click for him? 
he really was very average for the first nine or 10 games last year. And he had a fumble against the Ravens that cost them in a loss. And, and he's essentially benched and he got like three carries for 15 yards the next week. And that was it. And you kind of, I don't know, not forgot about him, but he was really demoted. He was benched for a week. And then he had that seven game explosion at the end of the season, a 250 yard day at the end against the Jags. But for me, it was training camp this year. I mean, he, he freaking dominated. He was an absolute stud. And remember, Carson Wentz didn't have a training camp this year because the foot surgery. So essentially, you know, the entire focus of the defense was 28 every single day. The Colts quarterbacks were terrible. It was Jacob Easton and Sam Ellinger, and neither of them are ready to play in this league right now. So it was all Taylor, and he was so good every single day, you know, blowing by tackles. His vision improved. He's a special running back without a lot of weaknesses. He just doesn't have very many weaknesses. His speed is better this year, his breakaway speed. If he gets to the second level, there's a good chance he takes it to the house and he leads the league with the longest run of the year, 81 yards, the second longest run of the year, 78 yards. And he also has a 70-yard screen pass he took to the house in Baltimore. So he can do everything. He's, he's lethal in the passing game as well. Um, he's the engine behind the Colts offense, and I'm really anxious to see how Bill Belichick attacks that because the Colts can throw it as well. Is there a historical comparison for him? Someone he runs like, someone he he plays like, his his style of running? Is, is there someone that you, where you could point to and say, look, yeah, I remember seeing this guy. This is a guy who reminds me of what Taylor is doing now. So his two favorite running backs as a kid, Adrian Peterson and Arian Foster, and those are pretty maybe surprising names. He's, he's not as powerful as, as AP but he's got some speed like him and he's got that smoothness that Arian Foster had. Um, and this is, this is not a crazy thing to say in this town. He's the best running back this team has had since Edgerin James and Edgerin James is a hall of famer and he led the league in rushing his first two seasons. And Taylor's about to lead the league in rushing his second season after finishing third last year. So he's just the total package and it's really a throwback in this league that's dominated by so many quarterbacks um, it's not even close to the best player on the Colts roster is it's the running back. And, and he really, he was, he wasn't the first running back taken in 2020. You know, the Colts had to move up to go get him. It's a great story. And, and really once you meet the kid, it's even more, he's just so humble and, and, and wants to talk about the O-line and all that. Um, you get why the Colts have a special guy in the backfield. He's, he's such a talent and it's fun to watch and he can take over games like he did against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. You talked about the Colts' ability to get up on teams by double digits. I, I imagine that that is is kind of works hand in hand with with Taylor's running ability. Because look, if you, you know you can run the ball if you have a lead, how much of their offensive success? I, I imagine it's a large part, but how much of their overall offensive success is tied to getting up early, giving him the ball, and really kind of imposing their will on the game. Yeah, Frank Reich is, and Bill Belichick said this this week, I believe. He said the Colts are the best first quarter offense in football this year. They lead the league in scoring in that first period. And a big part of that is Frank Reich's ability to script those first 15, 18, 20 plays. He's really good at that. They're terrific on the first drive. Um, that's leading to these big leads they, they get. And then, and Taylor is not just a big part of the game plan. He, he's creating stuff that isn't there a lot of times. And this is the little stuff that we notice maybe watching every week. There's so many one yard runs that end up five yard runs simply because Taylor finds yards that aren't there. That's sort of the beauty of a great runner. 
Um, that's going to be the fun part. The interesting thing for me, Carson Wentz has been good this year. I wouldn't say he's been great. His numbers tell you he's been great. 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. That's very key. There's been games where he's had to only throw for 105, 120 yards because Taylor's been so good. And I'm not going to knock Carson Wentz for that, but he hasn't really won the Colts a game from the quarterback spot. Maybe San Francisco, they beat him by 12. He threw a big touchdown at the end to, to Michael Pittman to seal that. But really, it's been Taylor, and that's not a knock on Wentz. It's just I think this might be a game that affords itself the opportunity for Carson Wentz to beat the Patriots throwing the ball. Now, I know it's tough because the Patriots are terrific in the back end, but if Belichick decides he's not going to let Taylor beat them, can Carson Wentz do enough in the passing game to beat Belichick and the Patriots? That, for me, might be the biggest question of the game. I'm not sure how much they're going to give up to Taylor. I really don't know because we saw the Bucs a couple of weeks ago absolutely sell out to stop the run, eight, nine, ten guys in the box. And for the first quarter, Taylor couldn't do anything. The game changed after that. But the Colts are familiar with different looks, different defenses will throw at them. I got to tell you, you, you change some of the names and you could be talking about the Patriots offense with Mac Jones in the New England running game. It's not so much one guy like it is in Indianapolis with Taylor, but you look at the abilities of Stevenson, Harris, Brandon Bolden. These two offenses, like we mentioned off the top, these two offenses are very, very similar. Yeah, I've, I've actually been studying the Patriots this week, and, and I've been, I'm kind of writing about the most fascinating matchup in this game. And for me, it's the two head coaches. It's Reich and Belichick. But, but I've seen that. And, and, and Jones has been so efficient. His completion percentage is 70%, which is extremely high, especially for a rookie. But he's also had games where he's thrown it 50 times and 40 times and 35 times. So that's classic Belichick, right? We'll do whatever we have to do to win this particular game against this particular defense. But that run game and the balance and, and, and the Colts have Naheem Hines as a backup and he's good. He's a scat back. He can move around. But obviously the engine is Taylor. The Patriots have a little bit more balance. But I, I, I think touchdowns might be hard to find on, on Saturday night. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a very fun chess match to see how it plays out. Reading some of your stuff this week, it's clear the Colts defense is primarily focused on stopping the New England running game. That's not to, you know, throw aspersions at Mac Jones. It's just, you know, you want to take away the number one offensive option. And right now, that appears to be the Patriots ground attack. Indianapolis has always been stout against the run the last few years. What are some of the keys for the Colts when it comes to slowing the Patriots ground game? Yeah, they've been really good under Matt Eberflus since he took over in 2018. Remember, he came here to work with Josh McDaniels. Ironically, it stayed, has done a pretty good job the last couple of years. They've been really good against the run. I would say they've, they've, they've fallen off a little bit this year. Um, you know, for, for a long time, they had only allowed 200-yard rushers, and both of them were Derrick Henry, and there's no real fault in that. But it's going to start up front with, with DeForest Buckner, who's an all-pro at defensive tackle. He's a monster. Grover Stewart's terrific against the run. He's their nose tackle. But the key in this one's going to be 53 and 58, the two linebackers, Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke. Mm -hmm. These guys have – they're smaller, faster linebackers. That's what the Colts won in this 4-3 scheme. But the problem is when they get into traffic, can they fight through the mess and get to the ball carrier? They have had trouble doing that this year. Leonard's been playing through a nagging ankle injury. And I will say that Okereke has played much better the last month than he did in September. But that's going to be a problem. It, 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 come down, it comes down to simple football, really, getting off blocks, taking the right angles, and finishing. The Colts are traditionally a very, very good tackling team under Matt Eberflus. That's one of the signatures that they've gotten better at. I mean, they were 
horrendous under Chuck Pagano at simple things like tackling. If you remember the Jonas Gray game, I'm sure the Patriots remember the Jonas Gray game because <laughs> he went for 200 and whatever yards and, and we never heard from him again. But, you know, that's that's really the thing this week the Colts emphasized is we're going to stop the run and we're going to be physical up front. That's how they think they need to beat the Patriots because for years the Patriots came into Lucas Oil Stadium and were by far the more physical team. And I think that ticks them off. I know these are new players. But these guys know this is Patriots week. It's, it still matters a lot to this team, to this franchise. And I guarantee you it matters a lot to the city. They're tired of getting bullied at the point of attack by the Patriots. I think the linebackers are going to be vital this week and really shut, trying to shut down the Patriots' best offensive weapon, which is that balanced run game. Give me the name of one guy who we might not necessarily be talking about, uh, an under-the-radar type who has a chance to make a big impact on Sunday's game, whether it's through injury whether it's through scheme, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I'll throw out this name, Rocky Seen. He's a cornerback, he's a third-year guy, had a really bumpy first two seasons, a lot of penalties. He's been really good this year. He's really bounced back and matured. The Colts are not great in the secondary. They're just not. They don't value the secondary like they do some other positions on the defense. That's something I think Belichick could look to exploit McDaniels as well. Um, the officiating crew throws a lot of flags this week, the crew that's assigned for this game. So if, if Yassine gets called early, he tends to get frustrated and that might lead to a little bit more hands and a little bit more, you know, penalties. And, um, the Patriots are smart. They're as smart as anybody. They're going to know where to go with the football if Yassine starts to get frustrated. So that might be something the Patriots look to exploit, but I know the Colts know that as well. And that's going to be a fascinating matchup that not a lot of people are going to be talking about. I, I know the Lucas Oil crowd stadium or Lucas Oil Stadium crowd is always focused when the Patriots come to town, but you noted that this Saturday will be the first game for Josh McDaniels in Indy since he changed his mind on the Colts head coaching job. I imagine he's going to hear a little bit extra from Colts fans. I'm curious, does what happened with McDaniels still resonate in Indianapolis or has the success that Frank Reich has enjoyed there made people kind of forget about what's happened? Yeah, everyone has completely moved on. And um, it's, it's, it's a wild little story, right? When you think about it in a vacuum, like a, a guy took a job and backed out. It's just, it's just pretty unprecedented, I think, in, in what we've seen in the NFL the last 15, 20 years. But I can tell you, everyone moved on almost within a year. Um, Indianapolis, you know, to speak for them, the fan base, they're thrilled with Frank Reich for the most part. Uh, he's done a terrific job considering he's had four different starting quarterbacks. And, and the bombshell of bombshells, right? Your starting quarterback retires two weeks before the season. And they've really weathered that pretty well. They've had two playoff appearances in three years. If they make it this year, that's three and four years. That's pretty good. I, I don't think anybody regrets not getting Josh McDaniels after how it played out. And I think everybody, you know, 10 out of 10 would take Frank Reich over him, considering everything we've learned since. Give me your game plan for, for Saturday night. If you're the Colts, it, it, there, there's two or three points of emphasis here. If you want to win this football game, what are the things that you absolutely have to do if you want to be able to knock off Bill Belichick and the Patriots? Yeah, Mac Jones has been great, but but I want to see if Mac Jones can beat them. I think the Colts need to stop the run. I need to think they, they need to make Jones drop back in the pack, in the pocket and not just throw to his first read, but his second and third reads. The Colts' pass rush has been better, but it's still very average. But the thing about this team is they force the ball. They take the ball away. They're the best in the league at that. I think the Patriots are number two 
Mm-hmm. The Colts are on pace for 40 takeaways this year, which is absurd. And even with the added game, it, it's something that no defense has done in seven or eight years. So that wins football games. They routinely take the ball away once or twice or three times a game. So if they can do that multiple times, I think the Colts should win the game. Anytime you force two or, two or three turnovers, you should win. And on the other side of the ball, this is going to be most fascinating how the Patriots play Taylor. I think they need to get Taylor involved some way or another. If the Patriots are selling out with a heavy box, they need to get him involved in the passing game. They need to use him in the play-action game. I think this could be a big day for Carson Wentz. Michael Pittman's one of the best third-down receivers in the league. He's a monster in traffic. He catches everything. He's been a little quiet the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to say one more name that, you know, it's going to sound crazy. I think this guy's going to be a factor in this game. It's T.Y. Hilton. He's been very quiet this year. He had the neck injury. He thought about retiring. And for years, T.Y. always had the number one corner when he faced Belichick, and they would blanket him with safety coverage, and he couldn't do anything. In that AFC Championship game, the Patriots won 45-7. to T.Y. had one catch on six targets, and he was one of the best receivers in the league at that point. He's not that anymore, but for the first time since his rookie year, he will not be facing the Patriots' number one corner. I think that matters. He had four catches last week and a touchdown against the Bucs the week before. He's playing better. I think T.Y. is going to have to win some matchups in single coverage, and I think that's going to be the key is can the Colts get enough in the passing game to put some points up, and can the defense get a couple turnovers? Zach, I'm right there with you. This feels like a very compelling ball game. Saturday night, prime time. I don't know if the rivalry is quite back yet, but this, like you said, I mean, this this for the first time in five years, it feels like, you know, things could get a little spicy between the Patriots and the Colts. And it feels like, you know, there is a little bit of that old flavor back there. You've had the opportunity to cover this rivalry for an extended period of time. What are some of your favorite memories from from Patriots-Colts games of years past? Yeah, it it does feel like there's something back. And and it's fun to just cover a game where it's Colts-Patriots and there's a lot on the line. Um, This isn't Brady-Manning. And I don't think anything ever will be. I think those games were some of my favorite NFL games I've ever watched. Um, And and I can say this, everybody in in this city would agree with me. From the Colts' perspective, there's there's no single greater game than the 2006 AFC Championship game, 2007, uh, January of 07. I mean, and this is a credit to the Patriots because of how much that win means to the Colts. But just if you if you watch it objectively, it's a fantastic football game. Mm-hmm. It's some of the best players of their generation really balling out. I mean, you had two offensive linemen touchdowns. The Colts had that 21 to three hole. You know, Peyton Manning played the second half of his life. Brian Fletcher, a guy everyone's forgot about, made maybe the biggest catch in franchise history. And they still talk about Marlon Jackson's interception around here. That's how much that win means. And and as a credit to the Patriots, everyone believes that that win was bigger than the Super Bowl win that came two weeks later against the Bears. I kid you not. It, just all the demons that win exercised and uh, beating Belichick and coming back from that deficit and and really doing it and finally get over to the hump. Um, I guarantee you, you know, gun to their head, Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy and Bill Pullian and all those guys would say that Sunday, January 21st of 2007, was was their favorite win when they were a part of the Colts, even more than the Super Bowl. I, I still was convinced. I, I was up in the press box for that one, and, and I was convinced that Brady was going to find a way, even with what a minute to go, right up until the interception. I was looking for flags oh. on the field because, because that was the tone of. They the were moving the ball the down the field too. 
Yeah, every he had ne- he had never not done it. And then if you watch the tape, and everyone forgets this, they had moved the ball thirty yards down the field. Everybody in that dome, I guarantee you, was nervous as hell because the <laughs> Patriots were moving the ball until Marlon Jackson made that pick. Hopefully, this Saturday night will be maybe half as exciting as, as that AFC championship game all, all those years ago. Zach, this has been great. Tell people where they can read your stuff, follow you on social media, and where they can get the terrific podcast with you and Stephen Holder 1% better. Yeah, everything's at The Athletic. You can find me on Twitter at ZKefer, Z-K-E-E-F-E-R. I have a long, deep look at the head coaching matchup this week uh, between Belichick and Reich. I think it's fascinating. I love when best offense in the league goes against best defense in the league and i love the chess match that follows this is gonna be a fun one this biggest game the colts have had this season biggest home game they've had in five years i'm pretty confident in saying that lucas oil stadium is going to be rocking but uh you know the belt you know belichick and the patriots are going to be ready this is going to be a fun one love it thank you so much for your time zach take care and hopefully we can hook this up again down the road very very soon thank you take care Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.